In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. This parable has got, like a lot of parables, has like two levels. And um, it's actually sort of confusing. And uh, I thought I would go through the parable with the interpretation from the fathers, from the Holy Fathers, tell you what they said, and then uh, we'll get into it a little bit. The householder in this parable is the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The vineyard he planted, again, this is like one level, right? The interpretation represents the Jewish people who were begotten from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and multiplied like the stars in the sky, the sands on the shore, liberated from the land of Egypt <laughs> and the yoke of slavery and led through the sea to the promised land. As the prophet said, you brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. The Lord planted the Jewish people in the promised land, flowing with milk and honey, so that they would bear the fruit of the commandments of God. The parable says it surrounded it, he surrounded it with a hedge. This means that God fortified it with the protection of the angels. The wine press he dug signifies the holy church where the fruits of righteousness and holiness are gathered. Just as grapes are pressed only with great toil and effort, so also the holy martyrs are crushed like grapes and shed their blood only through great persecutions and tortures. The tower constructed in the middle of the vineyard is our Lord himself, who appeared like a strong tower in the midst of the holy church through the holy virgin Theotokos, who is his mother and like a mother to us. Because of his presence, all the saints and martyrs are protected with spiritual weapons from the most wicked enemy, that is the devil. When harvest time drew near, he sent his servants, that is the prophets, to the tenants, who are the teachers of the law, to collect the fruit of the vineyard. He had already sent the prophets of them repeatedly to collect his fruit, but they were disdained and rebellious toward the Lord and greeted his prophets with swords, beatings, stonings, and other persecutions. They killed Isaiah, they stoned Jeremiah, they pursued Elijah, and they beheaded John the Baptist. Every nation that persecutes its teachers and fails to produce the fruit of the gospel is an accomplice. Finally, therefore, he sent his only son to them, saying, Surely they will respect my son. The only son of the householder is the Lord, the Son of God, who came by the will of the Father to his vineyard, when I read this parable and then this explanation, the thing that stood out to me, and there's a couple of things here, is this line. We did, I didn't finish it. We're going to get to the stone rejected by the builders, the cornerstone. Finally, therefore, he sent his only son to them, saying, they will respect my son. They've killed all the prophets. I'm sure it'll go great when I send my son to these people. I mean, that's the way I read it. Even more powerful is Jesus knowing and coming. I mean, the parable is called the parable of the wicked tenants, or all kinds of, we got all great names for this parable. But like, maybe what should be kind of underscored in it is the parable of God's love for us. The parable of the one who came knowing how things would probably go for him. I mean, not probably, how things would definitely go for him. And then he definitely knew it, and came anyway out of love for us. It's our only like, way of salvation clearly in the parable christ knows what awaits him ahead 
and what path the church must walk, he ascends to his death and gives himself for the salvation of all to become the cornerstone upon which our life is built and without which all mankind cannot bear witness to the destruction of all. Rejection and death await the Lord in his church, but is also in order to bring mercy, judgment, and victory, and right on the other side, resurrection. What awaits Christ? Death. And what goes with death? Burial and resurrection. I mean, when you read this parable, it's really confusing. Even what, I don't know if you were able to hear it, but even like the description, it's like, wait, what's the wine press again? That's the church and the tower. That's Jesus. I mean, it's hard to follow, you know. Now, it made more sense, I think, to the Jewish people that were hearing it because they had it all in play. But for us, it's just a little confusing. You've got to have your Orthodox study Bible out, flip around and figure out what it all means. But this is what Elder Simeon Craigiopolis said about this parable of the vineyard and those coming to the vineyard that are killed and Christ coming and who the Lord is. This is what Elder Simeon Craigiopolis, our friend, said. Each person's soul is God's field and vineyard. Again, there's like another interpretation, right? You've got this interpretation on the level of, of how it's playing out. And then you've got kind of the spiritual interpretation. Each person's soul is God's field or vineyard. I'm going to say it one more time so you hear who owns the vineyard. Each person's soul is God's field and vineyard. The vineyard belongs to the owner, not the farmers. See, we have in mind, my soul is mine. Each person's soul is God's field and vineyard. The farmers merely work the vineyard. In this way, all of humanity belongs to God. This gets to the cornerstone. You know, what will the owner of the tenants do, of the vineyard do to the tenants? They responded, he'll put those wretches to a miserable death and let out the vineyard to other tenants who will give them the fruits in their seasons. And they condemn themselves with these words. But Jesus says, the stone which the builders rejected has become the cornerstone Therefore, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be removed from you and given to a people producing the fruits of it. We go from the vineyard being Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to Jesus saying, now we're moving away from that to the cornerstone, to a household of faith, where there's neither Jew nor Greek. It's all of humanity is God's. Everybody belongs to God. Anyone who has not understood this, <laughs> and in this way, or that keeps himself as if he owns his own property, kills whatever God sends. Whatever good things God sends, whatever visitation of his grace to the soul, we just kill it. We just stop it from coming in, just as the farmers in the parable did. And Elder Simeon says this, One who understands this is not so much with the mind, but with experience, such a one having the gratification of God will be saved. It's not just the mind that has to understand this parable. It's like our life, our heart has to get this. We don't belong to ourselves. We belong to God. The God who loves us so much that when we kill all that visitation of grace coming to us as the Old Testament you know, people killed all the prophets. We do the same. We're not innocent and they're guilty. We do the same. We're just not killing prophets. 
We're killing the grace that comes from God to minister to us, to visit us. I remember our kids doing that. Like, I'm going to protest a little, but I'm not that mad. Um, God sends his grace. We are farmers in the field of the soul, and the soul belongs to God. He's given to us as stewards. You know, it's what we don't expect in the parable. All right, moving from the vineyard to the church, St. Paul wrote to the Gentile Christians in Ephesus, You are no longer foreigners or aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become the holy temple in the Lord. And then St. Peter wrote in 1 Peter that Christians are, quote, living stones built up into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. This blessed identity is shared by all of our members of Christ's own body. By the Savior's grace, all may become branches of his vine and communicates of his only body, his own, his own body and blood. He, he is the groom. We are, as the church, the bride. And what he, this parable is doing, it's turning us towards the Lord. You are not your own. And the Lord has this for you as a farmer of the soul, that you will remove whatever's there that's not of the grace of God. Remove all the weeds and the rocks and the trash. You know, that takes work. And the church gives us everything. The church is so sweet to us. We saw it last night. We did a little service for a child that had been lost through miscarriage. So beautiful. What the church gives us everything, everything we need, takes care of us in every way. If we're going to remove the weeds, the rocks, and the trash from the vineyard of the heart and soul, the, the church helps us. You're not going to be able to do this on your own. It's, you actually cannot do this. So the church says, I'll give you the tools, you know. Our hearts are the vineyards for a patient growing of spiritual fruit. The first thing that has to come out of that garden is all the weeds and the rocks. It's got to be confessed. That's what St. Paisios said when he, uh, you maybe heard this story, St. Paisios, the new of Manathos, when a young man from Greece was debating with the priest on whether or not he had to go, go to confession. He just didn't understand why he couldn't just confess to God without the priest or without the church. Like, why can't he just do it? Whenever he wants, not like often, maybe infrequently or something. And they go to St. Paisios, and when they get to his house, which I've visited on Mount Athos, he's out in the garden, he's weeding. And they, they come up and they say, They come up to him and say, What are you doing, elder? He says, I'm confessing my garden. And they're like, Does your garden need confession? He said, yes, from time to time, I find that if I take the rocks and the weeds and the trash out, everything grows, like the fruits grow. And uh, the punchline of these stories are almost always the same. It said, therefore, Elder Paisios answered their question without them having asked it. You know, they came wanting to know. 
Once we've confessed, once we've been honest, once we are humbled, once we see that we're like no different than those that murdered the prophets, you know, that we're those that cut off the visitation of grace from God, that we fight the Lord just like they did, our hearts can start to have something else planted in it. St. Paul said this, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. So to start planting these, when you find yourself violating the laws of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, when you find yourself complaining, anxious, impatient, mean, bad, faithless, rough instead of gentle, tough on everybody except yourself. When you find that happening, you know that the garden that you're planting is not good. It's not under fruitfulness. It's not under the Lord. And it won't reap a harvest of salvation. It'll reap a harvest of damnation. This is, the, this, is the, this is why the Christian life can't be lived on our own. We just desperately need the Lord to help us. You know what hour it is, St. Paul wrote to the Romans, how it is full time for you to wake from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. Let's cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us conduct ourselves becomingly, as in the day, not in reviling and in drunkenness, not in debauchery or licentiousness, not in quarreling or jealousy, not those things, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. You are not your own. Just as all these talking little kiddos cannot do it on their own, they cannot do anything on their own. They cannot feed themselves, clothe themselves, or take care of themselves. They are completely at the mercy of their parents for love, for growth, you know, for life. They, they have nothing that isn't theirs, that, that is nothing of their own. They have nothing that isn't their father's or their mother's. And this is, I'm glad they're giving me a hard time. I'll end with this. It's okay. You are not your own. If you have in mind that somehow you are, and that your soul is yours, and that you are just fine, and you don't really need the Lord, if you have that in mind, or act like it's that way, you might like pass my theology test, are you your own? No, I belong to God. And it's like, okay, then how do you live your life? on my own. I live my life on my own and I want it to be the way I want it and I'm going to fight him if I'm uncomfortable or something difficult comes along. And when something difficult comes along, I don't say, good, the Lord loves me, so there's some pain as I preached a couple of weeks ago. Good, there'll be some grace from this. Good, these things are difficult. The Lord must be like hounding me to rely on him more. Instead, we say it's bad and God doesn't love me anymore somehow we just we're just like we're we need to grow up <laughs> I'll just keep with the theme this is the argument it's basically the theme of st. Paul in the New Testament is that we would grow up into a full mature stature in Christ 
Like if you look for the theme of St. Paul's writings throughout, which make up the overwhelming majority of the New Testament, it's basically very politely, but it's basically grow up. And he means to plant these fruits. You have to do this work. These children can't. They can't do it. But now that we've taken a step or two, remember we have to learn this, Elder Simeon says, with our life and experience. All of you have life and experience. Cast out of the garden the weeds and the rocks of your heart. Confess your sins. Do not argue against this saying you should only go to confession once a year. No one has ever said that. I'm sorry that some people believe that. Confess your sins. Confess them frequently. Come to the waters of faith, the waters of baptism. Clean the garden. And then plant these fruits. And these are not easy. You don't have to live through even the rest of the day to know how hard this is. To get through from now until bedtime with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It'd be a miracle to get through the day when that's all that's been planted in your vineyard, the vineyard of your soul and heart. And that's what the Lord is asking. So anytime we fall short, let's run back to him. It's the time right now. It's time to wake up from sleep. St. Paul wrote to the Romans. Salvation is nearer at hand than it has ever been. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.